none of us have any background in the automotive industry or had till 2017 as such mm. uh you know we barely knew the names of accessories what is a garnish what is a door visor uh you know we really did not have uh, even details of some of the basic things that go into uh, uh what is a trim uh so we actually learned everything from scratch and we built the whole system from scratch and surprisingly uh, no such system existed uh, until we came on board and that actually helped us hi everyone welcome to another episode of the startup operator in this episode i will be speaking to varun shah who is co-founder and ceo of uh, eccentric engine which is a creative agency that's powered by tech they do some interesting work with auto oems on customer experience and so on i'll let varun explain a little more about that uh, in further detail uh, hey varun welcome to the podcast uh, was that introduction accurate or you want to add something to that hi roshan uh, great to be here uh, yeah i mean uh, it, it was fine pretty much uh, right <laughs> i'm sure that in the course of this conversation we'll uh, get to know much more so yeah we were an agency uh, right as uh, you know we have pivoted from being being an agency to a product company right. so that's what we've been doing over last 3 uh, years or so so right. i think we'll speak more about it but uh, yeah so essentially if you to sum it up uh, we are a platform for uh, product uh, showcase or uh, visualization right so we help uh, makers or any companies uh you just show what they make right that's okay. that that we exist that's what we are here for pretty interesting so i actually want to pick up on something that you just mentioned which is that whole transition from being a services company into a product company right that's literally every services company's dream at some point of time i've run a services firm as well so i understand how did the transition happen and you know how's it going so i'll tell you there's a back story to it and i have to go to our origins of how we started Uh, because then i think i can put everything together sure we began in 2012 and uh, you know at that time gora um, and i were both 24 and uh, 25 respectively um you know gora who's my co-founder uh, you know was running his uh, you know setup for a couple of years i had just uh, gained one year of experience and uh, we realized that uh, in the marketing ecosystem a lot of agencies do not have in house uh, tech expertise you know beyond right. the website and some of these things right. and there are a lot of possibilities out there you know and at that time uh, a lot of terms such as uh, 3d augmented reality and uh, reality. reality were just starting to flow in so we said hey you know let's just one of uh, be one of those people who is supporting uh, companies and agencies to adopt uh, tech so that was uh, how we began and uh, then after that in 2014 we decided to also become an agency ourselves so we opened uh, an agency division uh, we um, you know then grew to a team of 50 we opened up an office in delhi so uh, that was uh, until 2016 mm. uh, then what we realized uh, in 2016 was that uh, while we had onboarded a lot of uh, brands and uh, you know and we were doing decent uh, we didn't really have an answer to how we wanted to scale it up you know and uh, we didn't really have uh, clarity of uh, what we would be doing post 5 years and that's not a good position to be in as a founder uh, you know retrospectively yes we could have said that uh, uh, you know maybe we didn't plan enough when we started 
but uh, so be it so we took a very hard call that uh, we wanted to stick to our core which was tech and uh, we wanted to empower uh, companies using tech only so the call was to uh, wrap up our agency division which was uh, a tough call because we were not doing bad we were not doing bad we had a good uh, a roster of clients and accounts and uh, but it's just that you have to focus as a founder you have limited uh, time and resources yeah. uh, you cannot be doing everything yeah. Uh, and at the same time, one of the experiments we did with an automotive uh, uh, company of ours uh, worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, if we have to make scalable tech, then I think we have something in here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is how we began, uh, you know, our focus on the automotive industry. It was an accident that something worked, and then we wanted mm-hmm. to scale it up. So it was about visualization uh, as a subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so um it is uh, i think I'll, I'll speak more about it when we get to what we are doing now but sure. to answer your question how has the journey been uh, from uh, services to product uh it's actually been um, quite a roller coaster mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, not been easy i'm sure yeah. uh, it's been very very interesting there has uh, never been a dull moment um and uh, i think uh, it's just something which has uh, set us up uh, mentally uh, more importantly for the long run because yeah. uh, you know we have gone through a lot of uh, struggle we have gone through a lot of uh, learning yeah. Yeah. and everything else and more importantly we value uh, money mm. uh, we value uh, as a company which is self funded um, we really value the uh, you know uh, uh, the time and money and and uh, those investments at the same time we we understand uh, we need to grow so um, you know uh, we are happy we are not one of those companies which has got a round of funds uh, you know seed to begin with uh, and where we haven't really had uh, any real life experience of uh, scaling up and being profitable uh, right. we have always been profitable and right. uh, now that uh, we know how to be profitable uh, right. we know that we have some of the fundamentals in place to right. scale and uh, grow yeah no a lot of things to unpack in that right uh, so i think one of the hardest decision uh, to make is to say no to uh, you know your clients as such uh, you know additional clients and so on uh, and really that pivot is a very very difficult decision because i've been there myself and i've had to say no to people uh, so okay i mean you discovered this auto oem uh, use case and you started like you know building towards that right uh, so what went into it i mean so how did you uh, what are the two or three things that you decided after that i mean that you know le- has led you to where you are right now where you are a product company okay so i will um, in 2016 17 uh, at that time again uh, a lot of companies were grappling with uh, what to do with their visualization Mm. um you know they had uh, heard of the term like augmented reality virtual reality uh 3d gaming and everything else and there was really uh, you know no access to those products at that time and even today the access is very limited um you know you ask an average person that hey uh, have you used vr or do you use vr the answer mm. is uh, not real yet there is a need for you as a product maker to put the product in the hands of your user right so, especially now yeah so especially now yes and uh, back then in 2016 we said 
what if we are able to because ultimately ar and vr is all about uh, showing a product in 3d showing mm-hmm. it immersively mm-hmm. and uh, what if we are able to do it on the web mm-hmm. and on the browser that would be really really good uh, which means that even having a smartphone can actually experience a product without even having any application mm-hmm. uh, which was unheard of because most that automotive companies did back then was pitching a 360 uh, view of their car of their exterior and interior and saying okay this is the 360 mm-hmm. but you could not really zoom into the car when you go to a showroom you want to bend down you to inspect the headlight you want to yeah. admire the car smell the leather smell the leather that's something you can't do today but uh, go inside maybe you know bend down uh, uh, sit on the back seat and see how spacious it is and uh, a brochure cannot give you that any video yeah. cannot give you that right but and for that you need 3d right so we wanted to just take that experience onto the web and uh, make sure that the investments done by an oem to get people onto their uh, websites and on, onto their uh, yeah. platforms is worth it the people right. actually get a feel of the car of course nothing replaces touch and feel but if there is anything that goes closes uh, to touch and feel without being near the product then uh, this is it so uh, we wanted to just scale up scale up this uh, you know proposition and first uh, you know i would say uh, target or the goal was to after that uh, target or to package it in a certain way mm-hmm. so you know there it, it still is and it, it always was at that time too the whole concept of configurators so where you can configure your car and everything else mm-hmm. so we started uh, you know de- um, uh, i would say um, adapting our product for a typical configurator platform where you could uh, configure the car you could uh, walk through each and every variant of the car you could uh, customize it with accessories you could look at the features intuitively uh, which would engage people so i think uh, that is what was uh, our first step and then we have developed an entire uh, product around configurator it's called uh, cpq so which just allows uh, dealers and even customers to self uh, explore the vehicle look at it intuitively mm-hmm. and take an educated decision about what they really want to buy uh, without uh, a need for constant haggling and constant uh, human interaction right uh, so that is uh, one part of it uh, that's on the that's on the product side of things but as a company i mean uh, can you talk about that transition as a business how did you transition sure uh, so as a business uh, you know we had to uh, change our mindset right. um, we had to be Uh, a lot proactive when it came to uh, uh, deciding the product features understanding what needs to be done listening very very carefully to our customers we would not have built whatever we built without our customers because uh, none of us have any background in the automotive industry or had till 2017 as such mm. uh, you know we barely knew the names of accessories what is a garnish what is a door visor uh you know we really did not have uh, even details of some of the basic things that go into uh, uh, what is a trim uh so we actually learned everything from scratch and we built the whole system from scratch and surprisingly uh, no such system existed uh, until we came on board and that actually helped us mm. um but yeah as, as a uh, there's a lot of learning involved a lot of keen interest that we get to take at all levels Mm-hmm. uh from the point of view of our visualization teams our uh, back end team um our strategy teams 
everyone had to get involved. They had to breathe auto. They had to understand. Uh, I myself used to go for a shoot uh, where we had to just understand uh, how we need to represent the car. Mm. In fact, until day, uh, I am uh, involved a lot in um, in some of those activities because you know we we got to stay true to true to who we are even when right. we skate. Um, so I think uh, that was uh, there. Uh, we learned to listen to our customers uh, earlier. Before that, uh, as an agency and as a service company, our uh, job was to maybe take a particular task, uh, you know, deliver it, do a good job there, and then move on. Here, uh, you know, the learning curve was for two years. I just had to talk to a lot of people, understand, observe things. and just get immersed in the automotive world uh, and and see how it works because there are people who spent three decades working in the industry yeah and we cannot get to get all all of that knowledge overnight right so uh, i think one thing we really learned was about being patient it's not one of those e-commerce businesses where you get funding and boom in six months you have uh, a great growth and a great revenue mm. uh, it's not a sexy business like that uh, it is a business that uh it's actually it's actually like like meditation because uh you know you learn when you go to night you understand you appreciate what you've learned then you discuss with your team see how it fits in your framework and uh, some of those things and uh, the whole suite of products that we have made on uh, 13d which is the um, the the lead product that we have mm-hmm. uh, is actually uh, you know built in consultation with our partners with uh, their dealers with uh, mm-hmm. customers and uh, i think four years of uh, uh, of learning cannot be replaced uh, by anything else because there are a lot of integrity and everything else and it's yeah. satisfying to to say the least uh, from that point of view yeah um, yep yeah. so i think uh, that's so, uh, been one of the things about that we have actually learned how to be patient hmm. and we've learned how to learn right No, that's damn interesting because one of the one of the things that used to always hurt me was moving on from one project to another project to another project, right? Because I mean, I can sense that you are a product person as well uh, as I am, right? So you kind of commit to something and you have a certain vision for how something has to be, but you can't really get uh, too tied to it and you have to move on, right? Uh, so that's that's an amazing plus point when you're running a product uh, product firm where you know you can invest and you can commit in that learning that one thing and seeing that vision like you know come to life uh, uh, fully right uh, what what happens on the sales uh, front uh, varun because i mean so services is pretty simple right you find one cl- client after a client after a client and then you know i mean uh, obviously more people equal to more money uh, but how does it work with product because i mean i'm sure i mean there's a phase where you know you're not getting as many clients as as uh, 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 as you need because there's a bunch of investments that you have to make up front uh, yeah. to get your product up to speed or whatever it is right or you have to discover that product market fit and so on sure. so so talk about that phase okay so um, in terms of uh, onboarding in terms of business uh, development uh can you guess an average lead time that you think you'd be having uh, to acquire a customer just take a wild guess i would say at least a few months right so 4 to 6 months 3 4 months one year one year, wow. one year. Yeah. Uh, actually and, i mean it's pretty believable yeah and some of them have uh, even 2 years 2 and a half years wow. uh, 
so as a founder you have to build relationships you right. have to 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 those people and these are large clients right and these are all oems they are all right. yeah. multinationals they are all uh, very well established companies mm. and we take a leaf out of uh, how some of the uh, suppliers you know not just the you know digital suppliers but the guys who are supplying uh, parts to them you know mm. tires and engines and motor mm. and everything else to them uh those are entrepreneurs who have uh, been in who are in their second or third generation and they are still doing that and uh it's a huge learning for us uh, from them also when we see that how things cannot happen overnight when you are working in a business like automotive although i'll speak later that we now intend to go beyond automotive also but uh, just sticking to automotive now um that's how it is so it uh, even now there are a lot of oem we do not work with um but uh, uh, we we it's all about building a relationship with them um them acknowledging that uh, your product is good mm. them acknowledging that uh, you will uh, eventually uh, be a good fit for them mm. being a friend and obviously for the ones that you are working with uh, you know you have to be there as a founder you have to be there as the owner and you have to you know uh you know hear and listen at all levels uh, have empathy um so that is uh, as far as uh, uh, the growth is concerned uh, of course uh, we also have our panel of uh, partners uh, especially for international growth who are helping us uh, you know um, expand in the other markets uh, in um europe and uh, usa uh we also have uh, a strategic tie-ups uh, with a with a couple of uh, uh companies outside of india uh, where we can synergize with them so you know in course of time you build these networks and you do that uh, mm. but you have to be hands on about adapting the product to uh, you know every subsequent uh, customer uh luckily uh, yes there are a few integrations that you need to do there are modifications that you need to do but uh, a car is a car right uh, you have to visualize the vehicle you have to show it in a certain way both uh, things are similar than dissimilar yes there is a decent gestation time for you to on board and start working with them mm. but uh, these are at least 4 uh, to 5 year old relationships um, you know which uh, you know at least at least you know because uh, I, i can't comment on more than that because we have been in the automotive uh, business since last 4 years right. uh, but uh, yeah these are uh, you know very very long term businesses where you need to do that and once you do that you learn that you understand a lot of uh, room to roll out new products to roll out uh, things which suit uh, the given customer you have learning from a certain customer and you pick up that learning and see how it works in the framework of the other customer of mm. course without compromising on any uh, you know information confidentiality that's again one more thing that we uh, we have to be extremely careful about Right. as an organization our teams are separate uh, you know we don't have the same people working on the same oems uh, right. at operational level so i think those are uh, some of the um, things that uh, that go in uh, you know into the business and uh, yeah i mean we, we began with uh, visualization product we grew to configurator and today we have four to five different products and all of them are actually uh, you know doing pretty well Uh, in the industry, and they're all scaling up in their own right. Fantastic. So, what's it like selling to these hardcore danda type of uh, people? You know, I mean, I'm sure like some of the like the dealers and everything. Uh, you know, they they come from probably different backgrounds. Uh, 
maybe second third generation uh, entrepreneurs even more perhaps i mean they've inherited a family business or whatever it is right um uh, and they have this innate sense of uh, the money right i mean they can they can tell where the money is and they have these things almost ingrained in them uh, what have you learned uh, working with those uh, people right so you actually you know uh, you know that if uh, something is working at the dealership or not by simply talking to, to your dealer principal uh, after a month of uh, launching and uh, talking to his team one simple question sir kuch fayda hai kya kya nahi hai you know ye theek hai then you know that fact doesn't work basically you have to course correct you have to do something better or something different um, and when that guy comes and says are yaar tu bata main isse paisa laga do then you know that you have uh, that uh, that is something good so uh validation at multiple points uh yeah. you know when it comes to dealers is uh, important yeah uh, yeah i think uh, so and yeah not all our products are uh, dealer centric a few are right but uh, but yeah i think it's actually been a great experience we are working and dealing with them because you know that anything that is going to give them profits they will jump on it absolutely. and what better validation can you get absolutely absolutely so yeah i mean one of the things that you mentioned earlier was you know about bootstrapping and being profitable right uh, how has that helped you in this journey of being a product company you know uh, because again i mean typical uh, product journey that we see is that hey i mean i have an mvp i have a little bit of traction i raise funding and then you know i, I grow like hell right uh, it's that whole exponential growth and stuff like that uh, but you are building this product firm with you know very sort of a service driven ethics and stuff and also i mean i guess the industry that you operate in as well right now i mean it is sort of like that you mentioned i mean a years lead time to you know convert a business and so on right so this focus on you know profitability being thrifty as such right uh, how does that drive your business so while uh, that has been our approach until now mm-hmm. um, you know we are i'm not saying that that will continue to be our approach for uh, forever mm. uh, you know we have plans in terms of scaling up we have plans in terms of uh, getting it to a certain point um, you know you have to be a good judge of till what point can you scale it scale it up organically yeah. uh, you know before which you can actually like really uh, you know that uh, point of inflection where from where you can actually uh, grow and you can accelerate so i think we are nearing that and uh, we are having some really interesting conversations all around about uh, some of the uh, 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 and we have quite a lot of options at hand so i think that's that always helps that's good yeah uh, but um, but I, i guess it also instills a lot of confidence for an investor that you know you are you are mindful of the money right i mean that you know how to manage money yes. at the very least i mean i i guess so i guess so uh, you know i think there are all kinds of people uh and uh, i think at this stage you can also understand uh, or differentiate between investor who you know who has a uh, maybe some kind of a deep thinking in terms of the journey this is what they have done versus uh, someone you know who has just uh, a grown up in the digital era and uh, perceives business to be of a certain type uh, you know 5x 10x uh, gmv this that this that so uh that's not our investor because uh, you know uh i think uh, because yeah i mean it, it's quite an irony because you would imagine that a uh, a digital new age investor or someone else would be more uh, 
I would say, agile uh, to experimenting with new models. But what we actually see is that a lot of them are actually just template-driven. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a lot of things are actually getting templatized. Eventually, things have to get templatized. But for any new uh, technology to come in and for any thing to come in, you understand that you need a certain depth. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky that I've actually come across quite a few people uh, who yeah. I think have that depth. And yeah. we continue to be uh, in uh, close contact. Right. No, just as, uh, you know, the startup ecosystem has matured, right? I think even the investors have matured, right? I mean, you know, we're seeing, what, 15 years of precedence, uh, I would say, uh, you know, in terms of, let's say, a Flipkart being, you know, born at around 2007, I think, and then, you know, uh, exiting to Walmart. Um, yeah, I mean, I see, I mean, at least it's not BS terms like GMV and like, you know, I, I even remember, you know, at, at that point, 2014, 15 point, I mean, people were bragging about website visits yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. This is insane, right? I mean, try explaining any of this to your Kirana stores and, you know, uh, your yeah. local businessmen. Um, so, on that note, how has, you know, I mean, you've been in startups for about 10 years now, right? As a founder, yeah. how has uh, the startup ecosystem itself matured? What do you see as, uh, uh, what do you see has become easier? What has become more difficult right now? Okay. Um, multiple things. I think... Uh, um people are more open to you know i think so let me first talk about people overall uh, and i will say i will gauge that from uh, how easy it is to hire or retain someone in your company uh, which i think has definitely seen a lot of improvement yeah uh, you know earlier we really had to convince the families of people to let them work for us and let them work with us right uh, but uh, now that's no longer the case uh, yeah. In fact, uh, my prediction is in the next two years, um, more people will lose jobs in MNCs and startups. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's going to happen. Uh, so that's, that's about uh, the first part of it. The other change in the startup ecosystem, what I see 10 years earlier and what it is now, is uh, that uh, um, I think uh, at that point in time, um, you know, we, had, we were just looking at... Uh, a very finite number of business models. Um, you know, today there are, you know, people are open to multiple uh, uh, avenues. Uh, of course, you know, if we say where the money is today, uh, maybe if we have to just uh, segregate, there is uh, there is e-commerce, there is fintech, there is healthcare, there is education. Those are the areas where you have uh, those things. But a lot of people I ask, I talk about, they say, are sab to hai, iske alawa kya hai? So, which is good because People know that uh, you know that uh, everything cannot be given a template, and uh, everything will eventually make its own template, and that needs to be respected. Mm. Um, that is there. From a Very government good. regulation point of view, nothing has changed. I think uh, you know it's as uh, easy or as difficult to start a business as, as, as easy or as difficult to start it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know uh, uh, th there are things for MSME, and there are multiple things to do that, but then. I would say we are still far from being a country which is uh, friendly for startups um, from a government policy point of view. Mm. Um, you know, it is it is not easy to really get a lot of regulatory things in place. Uh, you wonder why that's uh, always been the case and that continues to be the case. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, you have to say that yeah. it's not uh, that easy. Uh, and lastly, from a collaboration point of view, it's excellent because... Uh, you suddenly have a whole a whole ecosystem of companies mm. who are wanting to help each other out. 
So you know you are doing something. You know someone else is is good at something, yeah. uh, and you have no qualms in uh, collaborating with them and saying, "Hey, you know, we do this. You guys do this. Uh, let's let's do that." Yeah. Uh, earlier, people were a, a little bit okay. My okay. idea. Uh, let's sign an NDA. Only then I will give you my idea. Uh, and you say, "Well, <laughs> you can't do that, right? You can't do that." Uh, but now, you know, it's become yeah. much more forthcoming. You need something. You dial a number. Speak with yeah. someone, uh, make a few calls, get it done, yeah. uh, and it's and because of COVID, the advantage is it's not just uh, uh, confined to India. Mm. Uh, an Indian startup can work with a startup in China, in the US, in uh, Europe, or an or an individual there, mm. uh, and uh, they are happy to help you. So I think it's uh, it's actually yeah, that's, uh, th- that's something that I've seen as well, right? I mean, if you remember, I mean, uh, I think. probably the 2014 15 time itself i mean there was it was as it is i mean i i guess it was a small enough community but then you had these people who thought their ideas were like you know exactly million dollar ideas and you know hey idea to you know billion dollars will just happen like that right i mean i just had to get that idea out there and they would like hold it on you know and i think it's just about people watching social network movie and then yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that whole influence, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, you know, uh, I've had so many people call on me. Why don't I would, I would discuss an idea with you? Let's catch up for a coffee. Like, sure. Uh-huh. And they come up with a pen and paper. Please sign the NDA. I think hold on. I thought you called me for a coffee. <laughs> sure, I can sign the NDA. Yeah, no, I've 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 seen this as well. I've seen this yeah. as well. And I guess I mean, you know, on that front, it is matured. One of the positive uh, uh, things that I have seen as well is like you know. the large company attitudes towards startups itself i mean like uh, you know 5 10 years back i mean you had to pretty much justify everything right like your reason for existence itself yes, uh, yes. when you sold to a large company but today i mean you know you are working with a few of the largest uh, you know uh, companies in india right i mean at vimo i mean we work with some of the largest banks and insurance uh, companies as well right uh, so that attitude has changed significantly as well right how these large organizations treat startups now i mean they're not uh, they're more keen on uh, collaborating on working with them caution they don't have an option yeah Because that's true if um, you know you are giving them a good product at a certain price point and now more than ever uh, they have to be uh, you know very prudent about the cost and and about investments mm. so um you know just think of business mm. don't have an option but to be open to uh, these things mm. of course you know you as a startup you need to have credibility you you know uh, it's always chicken and egg uh, the first couple of customers you get you always have to you know fight hard and uh, struggle hard to get that confidence but once you are doing that and you are not say a big uh, multinational it company which is a multi billion company Mm. Uh, you are in a very good space because uh, you know you are more agile. Uh, your products are likely to be better. Uh, your uh, hunger is uh, going to be more. Mm. And who does not want to work with such companies? So yep. I think uh, we have earned Absolutely. it. We've all earned it. Uh, there's yeah. there's no. Uh, that's a that's a very good way of putting it because I think I like what you said, which is that we've earned it, right? Because if you look at startups right now, they're pretty much cornered innovation. Uh, you know. a uh, new innovation i would say right obviously i mean it takes innovation to you know operate at scale and so on but uh, product innovation and so on right people's attitudes have changed so you have people more receptive to working in startups right now right uh, so you moving from a 
uh, you're moving from sort of a problem of scarcity to abundance. So in this, you know, sort of a paradigm, how do you hire the right people right now? You know, how do you, what are two or three things that you look for? Uh, and in your mindset of, a, of being a product company, right? So what are some things that you look for to hire people? Um, I think uh, oh, the biggest thing is skills, skills translate. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing is attitude. You know, you're hiring for a given position. Uh, mm. Basic skill set will be there. You know, you can uh, make that out from the CV or, I mean, given that the person has the right skill set. Mm. Um, you know, it is, the problem is that you have a lot of people these days, uh, you know, who are very fickle-minded. Uh, you don't want to be working with someone who's fickle-minded. Mm. And I have had a bad experience, uh, you know, maybe, you know, going with someone who I thought uh, was really good, mm. but fickle-minded, but I took my chances. And none of those experiments have actually worked. Because yeah, have, we, we all have a few of those. We all yeah, have yeah. a few of those, right? Yes. And we go so, against our judgment, basically. Yes. So, you no, know, you want someone who is, uh, you know, say, um, firm about what they want. Mm. Uh, of course, at some point, everyone has to part ways. You know, there is nothing like uh, anyone working for you permanently. Mm. But for the amount of time that they are with you, uh, you, know, you, you know that if they have any grievance, they will speak with you, they will come to you um, as, uh, as, as their colleague and as their uh, uh, senior. It's up to you to uh, speak with them and, and to make sure that, uh, that you are there for them. But... Mm. Just the attitude. I think uh, it, it's just that. And uh, uh, some very, very uh, simple questions uh, that we ask them, which just helps us gauge. And yeah. that's a very simple filter that uh, that we have in place. And the other advantage is that a lot of people, uh, their talent was distributed, like I just mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, earlier, we were uh, looking at uh, people who had uh, access to our office. Yeah. But uh, now it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're in Andheri where our office is or if they're in Singapore or if they're in uh, Russia. Uh, you have talent, you are good, let's work together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think and, and that's been the biggest takeaway from COVID uh, for us that yeah. access to talent has actually uh, uh, you know, been very, very easy for us. Yeah, awesome. No, I mean, one of the things uh, I've realized is how much I overestimated the need for an office, right? Uh, of course, I mean, you know, it, uh, it's, it's uh, indisputable that, you know, working together in a, in a room with a common purpose is like, you know, obviously you feel that energy and you share that uh, enthusiasm for it. But then, I mean, you don't have to be limited by it uh, is what I feel. Yeah. See, I think uh, you still need to work on a culture just yeah. because you're not in an office does yeah. not mean that you don't have to work on a culture. Mm. Uh, you know, you are still connected uh, to your uh, colleagues. Yeah. Um, you know, you make sure that you are there for each other. Mm. Uh, if uh, someone uh, has got a baby, for example, during quarantine, mm. you all celebrate it together. If it's someone's wife's uh, birthday, uh, you know, now you make sure that you celebrate her birthday also, not just your colleague's birthday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think you do those things. They have that sense of belonging to an organization. Right. You are good. I think working in a, in a room is overrated. I mean, to give you a very crude example, I, I might sound silly, but uh, let me still, uh, uh, you know, go for it. That just because you're living away from your parents does not mean you don't belong to them. Mm. You know, same for an organization. Yeah. 
I mean, if you're working for an organization, yeah, you are, you know, you're working, uh, you know, with uh, some with a, with a, with these set of people. Mm. Um, you know, you should, and in fact, I, it's been the the biggest uh, change in my mindset is that until uh, March, I never ever believed in work from home, uh, <laughs> and rightly so, I guess, because. Yeah. You can't have half the half the office working from home and half the office uh, coming to office, right? Uh, because it's not fair on the people who are actually coming to office. And where do you draw a line? Yeah. Um, you know, if uh, someone has a baby versus someone is pregnant versus someone needs to go on a holiday, all are legit excuses, you know, to right. not come to office and just work from anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, but now, it doesn't matter. You you're changing diapers and taking calls. Capture will be fine. So you're getting your work done. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I think it's uh, actually great because it's uh, brought all of us to really rethink about how we how we have been looking at work fundamentally. Right, right. No, I mean that's a uh, yeah. I mean what you said makes absolute sense. You know, culture is something that is unspoken, but yet is very very clear. Uh, uh, you know what is expected of someone, how someone behaves, how someone makes decisions and choices, and so on. Right. So yeah, I mean. See, we can't ignore the circumstance that we're in. Obviously, we're all adapting to it, right? So, how are you managing to stay competitive as a business uh, in these times? Yeah, as a but, business, we work. We thrive on this one very simple, uh, you know, thing, and which has always been the thing. It's not new. Hmm. Is that we want to increase access to products for any maker. Hmm. You are a maker. You make great things. You are not efficient in how you show things. Because you are grappling with way too many cost items, a lot of processes. There, there is no synergy between them. And now, all the more, makers need to show things. You know, uh, even with the malls opening, you won't get the same footfalls. Yet people have to consume. You know, eventually, uh, people have to consume. So that is where we lie. We say that if you cannot, if you don't have access to a product, then this is the next best thing. So uh, yes, it's uh, as a product and as a company. We have to move very fast. We have to move. Uh, we have to stay true to our promise. Mm. We have to stay true to our value proposition, um, and uh, we have to demonstrate that. Uh, we have to be that uh, you know company which instills positivity in uh, our uh, customers, mm. who tells them that hey, we are there, and you know you can do this, mm. which gives them confidence to speak with their management and say that hey, we have something out there, you know, and uh, and we should do this because i mean we all know that uh, till now no one understands how serious and how big covid is mm. and it will take a couple of months or maybe more than that for us to unearth the real impact of covid yeah. um, you know you can talk about any data any study but until things completely open up you have no idea the damage that has been caused yeah so we are going through an extremely challenging period something which i hope that uh, no, nobody goes through uh, at least for next uh, few decades, because it's been tough on all of us. Yeah. Um, and in this uh, period, I think very very small things which help people, um, which uh, you know help them uh, do their uh, job better. Mm-hmm. And I think we are fortunate that uh, that our product is uh, something which uh, is required, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for them. Mm-hmm. It is required for them to stay relevant, for them to be relevant. Mm. And uh, you know we have had very very busy last uh, two months. Um, you know where uh, we have had a lot of inbound uh, calls, inquiries, discussion. Fantastic. 
and uh, yeah but then we cannot uh, you know take out take that uh, uh, thing lightly uh, we have to stay stay ahead of the curve and we have to keep investing in the product yeah so that's uh, that's amazing that's amazing now that you know you're relevant more now than you know before as well right so so that's that's really good so let's do a quick uh, you know rapid fire round okay uh, nothing scandalous don't worry about it so just short and interesting answers to the sure. following questions sure uh, the best or most accurate startup movie that you've ever seen the best or most accurate startup movie i have ever seen um it's not a startup movie but it's a movie i saw last month uh-huh. and i think i think it was brilliant uh i know I, i i was late to the party i saw beautiful mind right oh, okay it's not a startup movie yet i think uh, the way that guy dedicates the entire life yeah to an idea uh the time the patience before he actually wins the prize yeah. uh drives him insane that's the commitment you expect from a startup founder mm. if you have conviction in your idea yeah. you don't uh so and i think that uh, movie uh you know connected to me on, on multiple levels because yeah, yeah i think uh, uh yeah so i think I, i i'll go for that yeah fantastic off to a rocking start so my next question is the most hilarious uh, client experience you've had oh i'm <laughs> so, sure there are plenty <laughs> so many so many uh i think uh, uh i think uh, i'll just sum it up oh uh look at the card eccentric engines hmm young people ah huh? yes they good they good and that's something you don't want them to say because yeah. you know your youth does not come at the cost of your experience because you've been doing it for last 10 years but yeah no i have been there as well uh okay if you had to choose uh steve jobs or jeff bezos uh very very tough but uh, i'll go with jeff bezos okay yeah i mean just the way he's built the business out right over two plus decades i mean that's just and, and phenomenal execution he is diversified uh, yeah, yeah exactly and each of his uh, you know i would say verticals are doing great yeah, uh, yeah. and it's all, all said and done you know you you need a, a certain skill set to be that yeah yeah okay uh, ratan tata or uh, narayan murthy uh okay i would say ratan tata in this case because of the auto connection no no not that not that uh uh it is because of uh, how versatile the the man has been uh i've been uh, uh, kind of incidentally just uh, you know reading a book uh and to come back at the age of 76 uh, or i think more than that and to uh you know start uh you know again taking control of your empire uh, after you have retired mm. needs a lot of willpower yeah uh, lot of not power. anyone can do that uh you need to say that okay fine something i did 4 5 years back has not worked out and now i need to do that uh at a time when some people just want to you know sit in a cottage and just chill in your uh, uh sunset you know, years yeah 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 you are actually uh, getting your hands dirty yeah uh, I mean i think it's great i i think it's actually great and and also the fact that he he remains to be active until now yeah is great. although a lot of respect for 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 mr murthy also 
uh, I, you know, yeah, and also for his ethos, uh, the what he believes in, I think uh, all those things are great. So I think we two, two, uh, uh, two exemplary people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that I was going to ask a related question, which is, what is a book that you're reading right now and that you would recommend to everyone? Uh, I'm reading a few books right now. Okay, uh, one of those who reads books in parallel. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if if that's the best thing to happen. Uh, no, I've spoken a few of uh, those types, so you have a try. Don't worry. Uh, okay, uh, I guess so. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, okay, so the first book that comes from I, I was just reading it last night is about uh, being a father because then I'm going to become a father in. Uh, oh, next congratulations! Year. Thanks, thanks. In next uh, five months or so. Awesome. So I uh, need to be good at changing uh, diapers and napkins and everything else. So that's uh, actually quite necessary. Um, so I, I'm reading that. I just mentioned I'm I'm reading a book on, on Mr. Tata, uh, more so about uh, some of the recent incidents and everything else, uh, just to get a feel of that uh, you know courtroom drama and and what exactly uh, happens and and what actually happens there, just just from a learning point of view. Because uh, I am actually quite curious to uh, you know to actually know that. Uh, yet another book I've been reading uh, is uh, you know by an ex CEO of Olympus, um, the Japanese company. Um, you know it actually talks about uh, an entire uh, scandal that broke out. Uh, you know when he was appointed the CEO and how he had to really uh, go through that. So I think that was. Uh, uh, that's that's quite a roller coaster of a book, and mm. uh, yeah. So I think so. These are some of the books I've been I, I've been reading right now. Interesting. So I was going to ask you about podcasts. Obviously, you listen to our podcast, but uh, what else do you listen to? Uh, to be honest, not a I, podcast fan. Fan. Uh, I want to be. Okay. I really want to be. Uh, earlier, when I used to go, you know, drive around to go for meetings and all, I used to. Your yeah. podcasts, uh, of course, I've heard the the most popular ones, like the, uh, like the Elon Musk podcast. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, yeah, I've I've heard that one, but uh, I I don't listen to them regularly. Something I want to do, uh, I do read, uh, but I think it, it's it's a habit that I want to. You can uh, you can start, start with this one. You can yes. start with this one. Hundred percent, and I think you're doing a, you're doing a great job. Watch. Uh, you are because of of the fact that. Uh, it's great to really uh, you know get uh, people on on a certain platform have a conversation that actually matter yeah. that's excellent awesome so we will continue to do uh, more of this uh, the final uh, question in that in that rapid fire round was what is a, a one quarantine hack that you've discovered uh okay uh so a few um so one is about uh, trying to maximize the hours that you are able to be productive. Mm. I'm saying not work, but be productive because there's a difference between the two. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So a typical day, you know, I used to work out in the morning. Mm. Uh, now because of my, I, I can't really go for runs all that much. Mm. Uh, I actually, you know, start working at six o'clock in the morning, uh, and I work out in the evening. But uh, I think. Till say six thirty-seven in the evening, I think I've worked twelve hours a day. Um, in between, uh, and I've also taken to fasting because uh, uh, I think I, I spoke to you regarding that. And and thanks again nice. for it there. I know some very interesting people who are fasting, and hence I also spoke to you. Uh, 
so i been i only eat uh, maybe now uh, you know i would say uh, uh, close to 8 hours a day so which is from 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 1 1 pm to 9 pm and that makes my mornings extremely productive because yeah. i'm not really you know figuring out uh, uh, what to eat now what to do that so those 5 to 6 hours i get are pure bliss uh, and then rest of the day is about follow ups phone calls meetings all those things so still evolving but i think it's a good start awesome hey varun this has been a fantastic uh, conversation a uh, lot of insights uh, uh you know from this and certainly some things that i will be reflecting upon uh, myself uh before we go uh, what is your advice to you know founders operators who are listening to this uh maybe executing at not the most ideal circumstance yeah you have to have faith right i think uh, as a founder thing first thing first is that uh you know and it may not be the most popular advice but i got to say that are you running your company uh, does it make any uh, commercial sense or not because i know a lot of founders who are who are attached emotionally to the company but then realize after a few years that the idea you know maybe some something was wrong maybe uh, unit economics did not work out or something like that and there's no harm in maybe pivoting mm. or even not you know going back to a job for a few years we have an entire life to do that so uh, you know be very very clear about uh, you know and uh, be very, you know be, be very objective if you have the right value proposition in place or not uh, if not there is no shame in um, actually working for somebody else i think working for somebody else is what teaches you a lot of things mm-hmm. if you have that thing worked out you understand you are confident about it you have to have faith uh, and you have to uh be prepared that in the worst case scenario you are out of revenue you are out of uh, employees is this you and your partner or just one or two of you you should have those uh, i would say survival skills where just the one or two of you are actually uh, going to be running the business by yourselves mm. uh, you know and that is are you willing to do that can you do that um and uh, if you have faith you you will you will do that for sure but it it can come down to that for a lot of people over next uh, few months but yeah the idea is to not lose hope once you have the conviction fantastic yeah i mean this whole thing it just brings a focus on the fundamentals right on your basics and it's good to i guess i mean you don't really have a choice as well i mean people kind of rethink uh, everything they do in these kind of circumstances uh, circumstances and uh, maybe for good reason you know maybe for good reason and hopefully you know you'll come out of this uh, stronger so and or we all will and 100% sure we all will yeah uh, we are all seeing that people have uh, much more empathy towards each other now absolutely uh, to begin with uh, we ask about well being of each other yeah no it really means something now when you ask you know how are you or you know hope you're yeah. doing well yeah. hope your family is safe and stuff right yes it does it does and uh, you know you don't have to be a founder in the, in a typical sense to be there you know right now even if someone is a non founder and who is listening to the podcast uh, mm. even if you are helping your community and society mm. uh, prepare for uh, the worst case scenario for covid 19 mm. you did a great job because yep. uh, you know you are doing something that really matters taking on personal responsibility 100% 100% so uh, and i think uh, you know the the founder mindset is uh, what will come out right now 
and you have your entire life you know people often think about okay i need to like like move fast and 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 break things mm. but i mean say you're 30 35 i mean how fast will you move and what will you do after your 38 39 mm. uh so don't be you know i would yeah you know have be ambitious be very very ambitious but uh you know enjoy this time you know enjoy the challenges enjoy the everything that comes your way mm. uh if you're not enjoying your journey then you're not doing it right because then you're just uh, you know pressurizing yourself and your team and your partner and everyone else yeah mm. yeah no i mean it should hurt and it will hurt right i mean this is not a easy journey i mean obviously it's very very difficult but then it should make sense to you right so sure, at sure. least your reason for existence should be valid which is why you started up in the first place so yeah and uh, to be honest back in 2016 when uh, you know we we could not justify our uh, services business from a point of view of next 5 years we actually contemplated uh, going back to doing a job uh, why not uh, there's no shame in that there is actually no harm in that luckily for us i guess uh, you know something worked out but that may not be the case for a uh, lot of other people and uh, you all have to be ready for you know for for any outcome going forward so yeah. absolutely fine and i think uh, we should also talk to each other reach out to each other absolutely if you, if you think that there's something uh, you need to do yeah uh, you know you you should definitely tweet to someone dm someone speak with them yeah uh, it all helps and it all contributes absolutely yeah on that very hopeful note uh, we'll end this podcast thank you so much uh, for your time varun it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you my pleasure to roshan uh, please keep up the good work uh, uh, i've heard a couple of your uh, podcasts and i think they are really really good thanks for tuning in to this episode of the startup operator we'll interview operators at fast growing startups and curate insights that can help you do better this podcast is available on all popular platforms if you like our content don't forget to subscribe and share thank you until next time Put your head down and execute.